What up, folks? What it do? Welcome to the best advice ever podcast with comedian Mike Goodwin, me, the bowtie comedian, Sans, the bowtie man. Excited to be back. Thank you so much for joining me again for another episode. Such an honor and a privilege to have you here listening or watching. I don't, I don't know where you are ingesting this content, but wherever you are, I want to say thank you. You could have been anywhere in the world, but you're here with me, and I appreciate it. Uh, we are rocking and rolling, man. We are in the uh, fourth quarter of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year, fall, state fair time. Like when the wind blows and you got to put on some layers. That's an enjoyable time of the year for me. Another component of time is celebrating birthdays. And we, my family, when I say we, just celebrate a pretty significant birthday in our family. My daughter, the oldest daughter that I have created, my offspring. Just turned the wonderful age of sweet 16. And I don't know why that is such a pivotal pivotal moment for parents, but it is. It's, it's a very pivotal moment. I think it represents transitioning from childhood to adolescence, becoming a teenager, like a fully fledged teenager a person that can get out here on the highways and byways 16 is a pretty significant age and so my daughter we had a sweet 16 party for her on saturday night and i think people had a good time i think they came out we had a dj a young 15 year old dj on the wheels of steel we had uh photography we had Food and desserts. I think that's all you really need for a 16-year-old birthday party. And they were in there. She had her friends and family members that came out for a night of 16-party celebration. And we had a good time. But I find it to be very interesting, as I was talking about time, how... Everyone that, you know, of the age, my age, would say, oh, man, you're getting old. You're getting old. Yeah. That's, that's, how, that's how aging works. <laughs> Everybody, every morning you wake up, you older. But for some reason, that's 16 is people want to really point to the fact that you're getting old. Now, one thing that was very different for me, so my daughter got I found out some new things about women's hair, black women's hair. She got a silk press. And basically my my daughter does not use chemicals in her hair to keep it straight. So the silk press is I guess the closest that you can get to straight hair when your hair is natural. And so her hair was all long and flowing and she really looked like a young woman. Like most times I see my daughter, she looks a little girl. But those Saturday night when she walked in, I was like, oh, yeah, that's a that's a young woman right there. Yeah, that's a person that will be leaving her house and going to college and, and, and having a life of her own. 
And I'm not afraid of any of that for some apparent reason. I'm not overly nervous and concerned. I'm not looking at my 16-year-old like, where did my little baby girl go? I, I don't, you know, I think I had a conversation with my daughter. And it really kind of brought me up to date. Like it, it jarred me to a place where I'm like, okay, this is what's happening. So I remember the summer of her freshman year, going into freshman year of high school. And I'm a funny, you know, comedian, Mike Goodwin. I'm always hee hee, ha ha, I got the jokes. So I asked my daughter, I said, hey, hey, how you feel about going to high school? In the you know in when school starts in the fall, and my daughter looked at me right in my face, without flinching, and she said, "How do you feel?" And that that pierced my soul, people. That that did something to me. <laughs> that I, I was <laughs> it, I was taken <laughs> aback. I mean, she looked at me like she was an investigator for the CIA. She said, "How do you feel?" And I was stunned. I was floored. I was flabbergasted. I, I had to deal with my feelings because I'm, I'm, I'm all hee hee. Hey, how you feel? I'm like, hey man, I feel away. I don't feel good about this. So now, I mean, that was two years later, almost two years since that happened. And I remember it. I mean, it was a very vivid memory that I have. And so I think I've been able to make some of these adjustments as you go along the way. I think graduation will be hard. I think that'll be a tough time to stand out in the bleachers and, and hear your daughter's name called and see her in her her gown and cap and gown. And so that might, you know, I think that might touch me a little bit. But the Sweet 16, it really didn't do much like I knew. Like I'm helping her drive. I'm teaching her how to drive right now. My foot is forever in a charlie horse position over in the passenger side so i i see the stuff like i'm seeing it one of the greatest things i've been able to do i think this is a parody uh i think this is how, how uh, applause to me my daughter doesn't have a phone yet my daughter's 16 doesn't have a phone so i got people coming to me oh she gonna be ready to get that car i'm like she got a phone she think about no car she want a phone so now as a 16, yo, she got a phone. I've been able to hold out. It's been hard. It's been very hard. But it hasn't been that hard because she doesn't really go places to where we have to call people to see where she, I mean, we pretty much know where she is. And I'm not influenced. We we talked about this the last week. I don't have FOMO. I don't have FOMO at all. So you telling me what some, and I see him. I, I go pick my son up at the middle school and everybody's on their phones. I mean, I think they giving phones to elementary school age kids. So I was able to buck that trend. I don't, you know, I don't know. I, it's been better for us in our lives. Maybe she's been communicating on the tablet, that bulky, obtuse tablet. But now she has a phone. She will be receiving a phone. So I think that is, uh, I feel good about that. I said, you know, I put the kind of, and again, I just think that uh, that's a conversation to have for another day. But for 16-year-old, I am excited about my daughter's future. I'm excited about what her life will unfold and look like. So I, I'm not I'm not afraid. Uh, the other thing that people talk about when you and your daughter turn 16, especially when you have a girl, 
Everybody want to talk to me about firearms now. Everybody, <laughs> and I don't know if that's just the, the joke that we, hey, by the time for you to get some guns, and they never say a gun. They like guns. Like, I need a, a infantry, a, a, a armory of guns because I have an attractive daughter. I'm like, man, bump them guns. I want a machete. That's what I want. I want some nunchucks and some throwing stars. That's Guns, everybody got guns, man. But you come, you come to my house. I'm in there cleaning my throwing stars. You're like, whoa, wait a minute, man. Is this a trained ninja in the Shalu? In the Shalu? I don't know, Shalu, Shalin. Yeah, I said it's my my Wu Tang, the Shalin Arts. So yeah, I want some. I want some obscure weaponry. I don't. I want a bow and arrow. <laughs> like a mace. I'm sitting in the living room twirling a mace. I think that's very intimidating. A big ball with spikes on it. Bump them guns, man. Give me give me a sledgehammer. Give me the Thor. The hammer of Thor. So yeah, man, that's where I am in my life. And I'm excited about it. I'm good. I'm good. So that's instead of being on the road this weekend, I was at the house. At the crib. Hosting Hosting a Sweet 16 party. We had a good time. We had a good time. I enjoyed myself. And then we were able to get back to the house enough time to watch my football team win a game. I will spare you the details. But Saturday was a pretty good good weekend. Now we've transitioned into one of my favorite parts of the podcast. It's the what you're not going to do part. I don't know why my voice is so high right there. Let's try that again. What you're not going to do part of the broadcast. Yeah. What you're not going to do. If you're not familiar, that's a word that we use quite often down here in the South. And it basically is a command warning. You know, it's like, hey, man, uh, before you go any further, what you're not going to do is continuing the activities that you're doing and so i find these news stories often and i highlight what is happening out here in the u.s of a so in massachusetts swamp scott that's an interesting place for a town or a city a police came to the rescue of a person who was out walking their dog over the weekend when they were surrounded by a pack of coyotes. Oh, no. <laughs> you got to call 911 on the coyotes. This is you just out walking, little fluffy. You out walking. Your dog, you enjoying the weather. And then you notice a pack of coyotes have descended upon you. I mean, I don't. Who signed up for that? Who thought that that was going to be the outcome of a stroll around the park? Did they have something, I guess, the dog? Do coyotes eat dogs? That's, that's Oh, that's a delicacy, delicacy of coyotes. So they, I wonder what type of dog they had. Because that dog, boy, the, a little tiny dog like a chihuahua. Yeah, they was like, man, it is a weekend. We about to have us some Chihuahua wings. That's what we about to do. And then we appreciate you for delivering it to us, sir. Y'all, the owner didn't know he worked for Uber Dog Eats, but that's 
be mindful. Be mindful. If you out there walking your dog in an area where coyotes are located, they might roll up on you and say, phone, check, homie. What you got on my books? Because <laughs> we about to jack you for that dog. In New Mexico, Roswell, New Mexico. I'm, I'm very fascinated but with this city. Roswell officials say the city's UFO festival. So they have a festival, a USO unidentified flying object. Matter of fact, since I'm talking about unidentified flying objects, I don't know if y'all recognize this, but over the pandemic, they were like, yo, there are really things in the sky. Like that story flew under the radar when all the you know COVID things were happening. People were identifying flying objects. They were identifying them. They were identifying flying objects. And folks were like, yeah, yeah, we are, we already know that. We got we gotta uh, we gotta get vaccinated. <laughs> like, what? What is going on? But they're having a festival. And they had a festival in New Mexico and they said the economic impact of the UFO festival was more than two million dollars come on man i gotta get into some of this ufo action man i need to get me a booth i need to vin i need to do something i need to get some what you're not gonna do a uh, ufo t-shirts i need to get you it's not wrong it just ain't right ufo t i need to get to roswell and i need to get to the festival that'll be a great i think that'll be a great trip to go to the ufo festival and see what is going on. I need to do some, I'm going to do some research. I'm going to do some YouTubing, some Facebooking, and see what's happening out here in Roswell. And the last story that I found, I found to be interesting. This is in Pennsylvania, Newtown. It said political signs have been found booby-trapped with razor blades. Hey, man, leave people's property alone. Like, I, I don't know how many times we have to tell people to keep their hands to themselves. And leave other people's property alone. I don't care if you don't agree with somebody's political beliefs and stance and positions. Leave their signs alone, man. Or you might come back with bloody hands. Because you're out here messing with booby trapping political signs. Folks pay money. They raise money for these signs, man. I'm not messing with anybody's stuff. That's why I tell my wife all the time, leave my stuff alone. Leave it alone. You got your own stuff. Go with the kids' stuff. Why you messing my stuff? I'm not going to booby trap it with razor blades. No, I'm not going not gonna to do it. But I might have had the thought. I'm not going to do it. But I might have considered it. I'm not. Personally, I love my wife and her fingers. I like them to be all attached to her body. But if somebody needs to learn a lesson, Booby trap and raise is not a bad, it's not a bad idea. Not bad. <laughs> what else should we booby trap with razors? That's what uh, some of these convenience stores do with cigarettes. Put some razor booby traps a day. You are stealing cigarettes and beer? I man, I was in my, I was, I'm, I'm from the small towns there. This is my dad. And a dude stole like a suitcase of beer, like in the middle of the day. And I knew he was up to no good. I knew he was up to criminal activity because he just kept circling, circling. You could tell when people real fidgety. Like, yeah, man, this guy, 
was about to steal some beer, man. Stole a whole suitcase. I I wasn't gonna do anything. I'm not I'm not gonna do citizens arrest. I got my own issues to be concerned about. And the last thing, and I and I'm not gonna even stay on this long, but this is this is not humorous. This is not humorous. This is a real serious moment. I, what you're not going to do, and I'm especially talking to dudes, to men, or even if you have men in your life, you have a husband, a brother, a son, a, a n- uncle, a nephew. What you're not going to do is suffer silently, dudes. Man, I am encountering more and more of of guys that are silently suffering with issues that they can easily be helped with like very simply be assisted like there's something about men where we like man i'm not going to ask for help i'm personally i'm dealing with something in my life like my personal life that's like dude why you didn't ask for help man are you serious so what you're not gonna do if you're a guy hey man don't suffer inside and women i know y'all you know especially the young the guys in your life you you know they say stop bothering me stop nagging me no don't stop don't stop because if you don't nag if you don't question if you don't bother these dudes gonna keep doing the foolery that they were doing so make sure that you are supportive and and even if you struggling man don't struggle in silence we all struggle out here. The, the world is a struggle. It's a struggle. Like, that doesn't mean you got to struggle alone. So what you're not going to do is be struggling in silence, gentlemen. That's what you're not going to do. So the best advice ever portion of the show. So I had a whole nother um, best advice to share. I had something I was preparing. And then I went to church Sunday and my pastor was doing the sermon and it's titled the paradox of time. And it really resonated in my, anything, you know, that my pastor is ministering. It always, it always hits me right in the where I need to get it. But Bishop Herbert Bailey is my pastor at right direction church international. And uh, this, this, like I said, this past Sunday, he was talking about the paradox of time. And it basically is explaining how God uses time in his five ways. But with pastor, knowing past that thing will be 17 ways by the time we get to it. But it made me think, and I, and I readjusted the best advice ever that I was going to share because I not only had that experience at church, then I went to visit someone in the, uh, in the hospital. And I have a family member who's currently in hospice, and she is 102 years old. And she's basically like, get me out of here. Like, what in the world? She literally said to her grandchildren recently, she said she thinks the Lord has forgotten her. Like, why won't he let me come home? Like, she says she's done all the things. She checked all the boxes. And she's ready to go. I mean, she's lived to be 102. She actually, her birthday will be in December. So she'll be hundred. And three in December. So it made me think about the concept of time. And so the best advice ever that I'll share today with you is something that I've often said, and I'm not I'm not necessarily certain where I heard it or read it, 
but it's time will either expose you or promote you. Time will either expose you or promote you. And I think the thing that, that my pastor said that really hit me was he said that in time, when you're younger, you want time to speed up. And then when you're older, you want time to slow down. But when no one has ever had a conversation or, or has, I guess, talked to us, they, and they talk to us, but it's, it's indirectly. I don't think anyone has ever given me the keys to use time to my benefit. Use time as a friend as opposed to using time as a foe. You know, one of my a line I think about is friend to foe, yo, state your biz. You know, it's like, what, where do you fall? And time has been both of those to me. Time has been a friend and, and time has been a foe. But I think that if we're more mindful of time, it can be far more beneficial to us than it can be detrimental. Because I think what happens, especially when you're younger, you really think you have a lot of time. You just, you just are under the impression, oh, man, I'll get around to that. I got time. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, man, I'll, I'll do that in a couple of weeks. I'll do that tomorrow. And that's not the best use of time. Time is a thing that you have to use it right then and there. You have to take the opportunity to get the most out of time. I hate going to eat chicken wings with people that don't appreciate chicken. That's, and they leave a lot of meat on the bone. That's, that's, that's not how you use time. Time, you got to get it down to the gristle. Like, you, you, you know, get it. I, I'm telling you, I, I'm not going to call out any particular groups of people, but there's a group of people that I've been around, uh, folks of the non-melanin persuasion they're just a lot of meat i remember going to an nfl game with a buddy of mine and his little boys and they were not of the melanin persuasion they we went to bojangles man and i, I was watching them boys eat eat those chicken wings and man it was so much meat and i was like what are they done and i'm i i was full like i had i had i've eaten i'm not hungry but i wanted to eat the meat that they left behind because it's just a wasteful. It's wasteful. Don't do that. And that's how time is. Don't, don't allow time to not, don't, don't allow yourself not to utilize the fullness, the fullness of time. And I think a lot about that, that, that the best advice ever, the idea of time will either expose you or it will promote you because I grew up and we learned something that I think was a terrible, I'm not going to put it on the worst advice ever, but people would tell us routinely to fake it until you make it. That's what's often was given to me as a, as you climb in the corporate ladder, as you're going forward in your, in your life, fake it until you make it. And I just think that that's an awful piece of advice because what they didn't tell us about is something exists that calls the imposter syndrome. The imposter syndrome is basically this feeling, and I, and I have the actual definition, it's a physiological occurrence in which an individual doubts their skills, talents, or accomplishments and has a persistent 
internalized fear of being exposed as a fraud. So on one angle, people are telling you to fake it until you make it. And that's how you gain success. But on the other angle, you're internally feeling like, hey, man, they're going to find me out. I'm a fraud. I'm not who they think I am. And I and I dealt with that. I've dealt with that. And I think in different stages of life, you deal with it. But I dealt with it pretty heavily. I used to work at this private school. I worked at this private school. I had a job at the University of South Carolina. I was working my way up to kind of the, the higher education ladder. And I took a job at this private school, one of the, you know, premier private schools in our in our city. And I got the job as the college counselor over there. Now, I, at that point, had graduated from the University of South Carolina with a master's in higher ed administration. I'd had goals and aspirations to work in student affairs at a university level. But I was presented with this opportunity to help families navigate the college admission process. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, sign me up. That sounds that sounds pretty cool. So I went over and did the interviews and ultimately in, liked what I heard about the job and was offered the job and took the job. Now, what I didn't realize at the time was how much my actual college wasn't a premier school. Like my college, I went to a, a state university here in South Carolina. We don't have Division One athletics. We're a Division Two school. It's in a in a town that you know most. There's no direct route to the place. Like you can't drive off the interstate and get to my college. Like you got to cut through three cities to get over. So it's kind of nestled in the you know the uh, I guess the upper part of South Carolina. But it's a you know it's kind of a not known place. And then even when I say the name of my college, I went to a place called Lander University. People think you say Atlanta University for some reason. Like they never hear. Lander is L-A-N-D-E-R University. Like you say Lander and people are like, oh, Atlanta University went to Clark. I didn't go to Clark. I went to Lander in Greenwood, South Carolina. People heard of Greenwood, Mississippi. They've heard of Greenwood, Oklahoma, but they've never heard of Greenwood, South Carolina. So there's a lot of obscurity, a lot of unknown. And it's not a, you know, it's not in the the top 50 and it's not, you know, Phi Beta Kappa registered. It's just not a place. It was just a, 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 a tremendous academic reputation. But it was a great college for me. I had a wonderful experience. I grew. I developed. I found my wife. Made some lifelong friends. Like it was absolutely the perfect school for me at the moment in time that I needed. But I didn't realize the status and the and 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 being a, a school of influence and a school that you know there's certain schools that when you say the name of it, people kind of oh, ho, ho, ho. and that's how my high, that's how this high school was that I worked at. I would tell people that I worked at this place, and they were like, oh, oh, oh you worked it there. So I never had that experience before. I just I didn't work in places where people, oh, ho, ho, you know, tip get up on their tippy toes when they say the school. But there's certain schools that you say Vanderbilt or Stanford people get up on their tippy toes and so not only did not people get on their tippy toes with my school they kind of like scoffed at my school like oh ugh, like yeah or you know if you mention i would have conversations and i'm meeting with parents and students and if i mentioned my school they would look at me as if i said some vulgar thing in the meeting now 
at the time, they probably were paying an equal amount of money to attend this high school that folks were paying to go to, to my college. And so there's a level of expectation. Like, if we're paying this for high school, surely there's a standard and status of school that is expected from paying this type of price. And it wasn't about the education. It was about status. And so I found myself there really being uncomfortable about my education. I didn't want to wear like my shirt, that my college shirt on college school day. And when people would ask me where I went to college, I would be ashamed. I would feel like a fraud. A fraud. How am I helping these students get into these great schools, these significant universities, these prestigious universities? And I went to this little humdrum school. And so I dealt with that and I dealt with it in silence, like I said earlier, and I was having all these challenges. And at the end of all of that, I realized that none of that matters. What matters is, what do you want? What do you want out of life? Like, there are folks that went to Harvard, they have a trash work ethic. They have a trash mentality. They don't have a, a initiative and, and stick to itness and resilience. And then folks that went to my school that are killing it, are here doing the thing and, and, and went to lesser schools, schools that, you know, folks would scarf at. Uh, so what I would encourage you in terms of time, use time as an advantage. Use time to benefit you and not to be a deficit or a challenge or be something that you are constantly in your own head about. Uh, this idea of being an imposter. We're all at some level are impostering because we're learning. Like I don't, I'm impostering being a podcast person. I this is like my third podcast, but should I sit in the house in the corner and say, Oh no, I didn't get a credential from the podcast university school of podcasting. And I didn't go and get certification with Joe Rogan in the summertime. Like, no, man, <laughs> get the camera, get the mic, get you behind in a seat and execute. So if you want to be, if you want to utilize time to the best of its, of its greatest resource or use time in the way that it best needs to be used, you got to execute. And there's a couple of other things that I would share with you about a time. The best way to use time is to have a vision. Have a vision. Know where you want to go. The second way to use time is write your goals down. Like we have goals, but when you write them down, they'll give you some idea of the path that you're traveling. And not just write them down, write them down and review them. Because we can write goals and we put them in a notebook and then we'll look three years later and be like, oh yeah, I did want to start a podcast. So write the goals down and review them. The next one is have some accountability. Have accountability. Have folks that you're telling, hey, this is what I want to accomplish, and they can hold you accountable for it. And the other thing to do, reward yourself, man. Quit vicariously saying, when I get to this point, I'll be where I want to be. No, man, enjoy the journey. Enjoy the journey. I think about number of folks that would say, oh, man, once I get this degree, once I get married, once I buy my house, like, you know what you can do? 
on your way to buying your house, you have a celebration. You can feel good about life. You can still be excited about what you have going on. So reward yourself. Don't wait to some imaginary point where you say, oh, once I get there, everything's going to be cool and I'm just going to coast. That's unrealistic. So reward yourself. And then the last thing, this is something I've learned. I think that will be most beneficial as it relates to time. If there's a certain area that you are interested in, spend an hour a day reading in that area. Do that for five years. I'm a person that loves leadership and communication. So I try to read for an hour a day on the topic of leadership and communication. And over five years, oh, it don't even have to be five years. It could be 10 years. It could be 15 years. You know, just consistently doing it. And over the course of time, time will promote you and it won't expose you. So I think that the idea of being an imposter syndrome or that idea of imposter, I don't think that's a bad thing. Just continue to work. Continue to gain skills. Continue to get the proficiencies and the competencies that you need to feel like, oh yeah, I, I'm pretty comfortable. When I started doing stand-up, I felt like an imposter. Now I'm pretty skilled. I'm pretty, I'm pretty confident in my abilities because I put in the time and I put in the work and time has promoted me as opposed to exposing me. So hopefully that will help you. And hopefully that's been some of the best advice ever that you have received in the simple idea that time will either expose you or promote you. All right. So I, this is a new segment I want to try. I'm going to do and I, I'll periodically drop it in. And this segment is called the church of Dion Sanders. That's this is a segment. I got a friend of mine. Her name is Allison Moore. She's a comedian. You check her out, but she constantly, anytime we talk, she always asks me, when am I going to start my church? She's like, Mike, whenever you and Rosalind going to start your church, I'm going to be the first attendee. And I always tell her, I'm never starting a church. You don't have to worry about me starting the church. It won't happen. It can't happen. Matter of fact, my friend, I got a buddy, Trey Brave, he always tells me I couldn't be a pastor because I, I share bad news horribly. I don't say, hey, man, you're sitting down. Hey, I got something tough to tell you. I'm just, I just eat. I text. Hey, man, uh, Sally made that. And he like, whoa, bro, what are you doing? Yeah, she had a heart attack. <laughs> like, bro, you have no pastoral care. You have no, no tech. Uh, so, but my friend says that all the time when I'm starting my church. So I'm saying that to Dion. Whenever Dion Sanders starts the church, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Bishop. I am out. I am going. Well, I may not leave because now you can virtually be a member of somebody's church. You don't have to leave your church. So I'm going to stay in my church. But if Dion starts a church, I will be one of the founding members of, and that's, we need to figure out a name of Dion Church. That we're going to call it the Church of Pentecostal Primetime. Like, we need to figure out. <laughs> that's going to be something. Y'all send in names of churches, of what we call. The Church of Dion Sanders. And so the reason I say that, Dion is very inspirational to me. He's very inspirational. Everybody knows, if you don't know, he's the he's the head coach at Jacksonville State uh, HBCU University, where he's the coach, and he's making some waves. Like, he's readjusting how people look at HBCU athletics. He has 
all the uh, all the eyes on him as a he was on Good Morning America this past Friday. They had Jacksonville State homecoming on no Johnson Johnson's what is it JSU? Why oh, I keep saying Jacksonville Jackson State? Yeah, Jackson State. He was on. Good morning, America. They had Jackson State University's homecoming on Good Morning America. They were interviewing students in the coach on Good Morning America. And so you may not know this about him. Dion put out a song. This is one of the, <laughs> the wonderful things about Dion Sanders. He has a song. If you've not seen it, I would in, I would encourage you to go to YouTube and type in Must Be the Money. That that is the song. And I believe that song came out when I was a young adult. Like, I I remember seeing the video. I remember thinking it was one of the most hilarious things I've ever seen in my life. Because even though Theon's an outstanding athlete, I never saw him as a rapper. He he was doing the Drake thing before Drake existed. So there was not really, at that point, people that were kind of rap singing. It wasn't, that wasn't a real kind of thing at the point. So when he showed up on the scene doing it, it was kind of gimmicky. Like, I enjoyed it. It was funny. But I'm telling you, the lyrics are probably some of the most hilarious. And I'm going to shout out this particular lyric that just every time I hear it. And I I even mushed, mished, mashed. I even mashed two different lyrics together. I used to say, because there's a lyric where he says, Diamond Rolex, Gators on my feet. That's a lyric, but then I mashed it with this next lyric. So I'm going to tell you my wrong lyric, and then I'm going to tell you what the actual song says. So I always thought about this this particular verse. It's Diamond Rolex, Gators on my feet. The club is packed, but I sit in VIP. So sits in VIP is one of the funniest lines I've ever heard in my life. I literally am thinking about doing a comedy special called it, I sit in VIP. Like, that just is such... That's such a classic line. The club is back. I don't care nothing about that. You know why? Because I sit in VIP, baby. So that was the incorrect lyric. This is the real lyric. The place is packed. Nowhere to find a seat. But I don't worry because I sit in VIP. That's the line. There's another line where he says at the end, and he just repeated this. I think he was talking to his team recently. But they were talking about, you know, he's doing this kind of like commentary. Like, hey, man, money, money. They say, don't let money change you. He's like, money's going to change me. It's going to change my address. It's going to change my phone number. Then he says, it's going to change my library card to credit cards. What are you talking about, Dion? I don't know about you. I've only owned one library card at a time. Maybe two. Because I've made have one for my college and one for one in the city I live. But he said he's going to change library cards to credit cards. So shout out to Pastor, the great apostle, <laughs> the <laughs> Dion. If he ever starts a church, I'm telling you, man, I'm going to be a virtual member. I will be in uh I will be in new members class. I'll do whatever it needs to do. And again, this is 
I want y'all to send in some some possible names for the say what we gonna call Dion Sanders Church because I'm a, there's so many things I want to talk about with Dion. That's just that's just the tip of the iceberg. The club is packed, but I don't worry because I sit in VIP. <laughs> The place is packed. Nowhere to find a seat. But I don't worry because I sit in VIP. I, I'm going to do something with that name. I'm telling you. If my comedy I'm going to do something where it's going to be called I sit in VIP. <laughs> that's just a that's a whole vibe right there. That's a whole vibe. So that is that is the Deion Sanders, Church of Deion Sanders segment. So, again, send in potential names and we'll figure out what we will call the church. And we also and we also have Ask the Bowtie segment. I've asked you if you are interested in sending in a question, just send it to info at comedianmikegoodwin.com. We've had people send in questions. So we have some questions today for Ask the Bowtie. The first question. It is, what is some advice you can give about starting your podcast? That's an excellent question. I think this is Mel. I think Mel sent in that question. Excellent question, Mel. I think I kind of mentioned it earlier when I was talking about time. Execute. Just get it done. Um, me and some buddies, we did a, like a podcast before podcast was a thing. Like we had like 100 episodes called the man brain podcast me my buddy jeremy harriet Corey johnson and we were just messing around i don't even know why we kept doing it we just said we were gonna do it we said let's do it and so we did it so i had experience doing podcasts and you know before i you know instituted my own but i think the first thing i would say is just get the equipment whether it, you can do it in a zoom you can do it on uh, Riverside is what, what I use in terms of recording the content. You can do it on your phone. Just do a podcast. You can do the audio, take the audio, and but execute. Get it done. Now, this is advice, this next piece of advice, especially for podcast. This is more of an entrepreneurial advice that I want to give people. Whenever you're out to try to do something, hire somebody. Like, Hey, man, we got to stop trying to do stuff on our own. Like, you have to hire people. Now, again, I understand you may not have this tremendous budget, but find people that are growing what you're growing. And, and you'll be surprised. If you do some research, folks aren't, you know, it's not going to be as expensive as your mind tells you it is. What happens typically Folks are interested in hiring people and they go and hire the first person they think about. And that person takes advantage of them or that person's super expensive. It's not a good experience. And then now people are like, I'm not hiring people anymore. No, man, vet the people that you want to hire. Go through like a, a process like you do for a job. Like you put out an ad. Hey, I'm looking for a producer for my podcast. This is a brand new podcast. My budget's pretty small. I'm looking for someone who's able to work with me and we can, you know, figure out the payments or whatever the case may be. But I, if you're trying to do something, whether it's entrepreneurial, whether it's professional, personal, get some help and pay people to help. Pay people to help. Now, if you can get free help, that's fine for a while, but at least go into it with the intent to pay. Like somebody will say, hey, man, you don't have to pay me. Okay, that's fine, but I'm going to pay you anyway because it's 
the thing to do when you're trying to grow and scale something. So I, I would say do it, execute. I would also say hire someone to help you do it. It has expertise in doing it. And then the other thing, if you're looking at starting a podcast, I would get, uh, there's, there's resources out there. Like I did a, a podcast, like a five day podcast challenge. Uh, that my, my, my guy is a guy named Jonathan Jones. He's, he's your podcast mentor. That's what he, that's how he's termed himself. The podcast mentor. You can check him out. His uh, on Instagram. There's a, there's a number of folks out here that you can just connect with. They have resources. They have resources where they've done it. They have templates where you can just plug and play. And so I would encourage you to, number one, do it. Like Have the idea, get it down, execute it. Hire someone to help you. And then also pay for resources and, and information. Because I was talking to a buddy of mine recently, and he wanted to do a, a, a podcast about communication. But the name of it didn't make sense. Like. It was called the Ugly Panties Podcast. That's what he wanted to have. Shout out to my guy, Mr. Bryant Smith. It was uh, my, my college. He he was the he was he was over the multicultural student affairs. He was a mentor of my my a lifelong mentor. I've been out of college for a number of years, and we just had lunch the other day. But that was the name of his podcast. It was like the Ugly Panties Podcast, but it's about communication. Like, hey, that's not that's not gonna work, my man. You gotta call it like the best communication podcast or excellent communication podcast. So uh, get some resources, get, get feedback and information from other people. Hopefully that has been helpful. And then the last question here, this is a, this is a pretty weighty question. And it was a question I, I thought about and I didn't want to like have a predetermined answer. So I said, man, I want to have the conversation as if I was talking to this person. And so this person this is a friend. This is a friend. This is not a foe. Uh, and they, they even sent more context to the question in the in the actual email. They sent an email. So they, they gave me some background. So it just wasn't this out of place question. But I'm going to read the question and then I'm going to do my best to answer the question. So the question is for Ask the Bowtie, what is your best advice for Caucasian American audience members who feel disconnected or excluded when your content is specific to the black experience. I think that's a great question. I think that's a very uh, gutsy question. I think that's a question that you know folks have and not really like, oh, I don't know how to say this. And again, shout out to Richard. He gave me more context around the question. So I want to stay at the beginning of this. I'm, I'm no expert. I'm no expert. I'm not speaking for every black person. In America, I've have a, a pretty extensive life and, and extensive experiences, and I love talking about race. I love talking about race. I think that um, I think it's important to talk about race. Unfortunately, we have found ourselves in this place in society where folks are are antithetical to race. Like, why are we? Why does race have to do anything? And, and people like my whole life. I, I'm I'm on forty, so my whole life up until maybe four years ago. People had no problem talking about race. And then now, well, they didn't say I have a problem talking about race, but race was in the conversation. Now, it's like, why are we talking about race? I'll talk about race. Because I, I believe this. We don't resolve issues without dialogue. Like if me and my wife have a, a problem, a, a concern that we're working through, the best way that we get to a solution is talking about it. 
I know some people are from the Morgan Freeman school of thought. Morgan Freeman said something, I think, on 60 Minutes and said, if we just stop talking about race and racism, it'll go away. It'll just vanish. And I don't I don't believe that. I think racism is akin to cancer. And I don't think cancer is something that you just ignore. And it, and it goes away. I think cancer is something you have to treat, something you have to have specific methods. So to this question in particular, how do I uh, make members of the Caucasian or white? I say white. I, I hope you're not upset. When you, I hope you don't cringe when you hear the word white. I say white. I say black. I think the first thing about that that I think about is that's a very common experience, especially that's why I think the terminology white privilege comes up. Because my whole experience has been through the lens of someone else's experiences that, that wasn't black, meaning all through school, I was educated about things that didn't necessarily reflect my experience. I mean, one of my f- favorite books in school was The Animal Farm. You know, it was about the Russian government and how they, your communism. I don't think there was no black folks in that book. I don't think it was one black character. Maybe Boxer. They might Boxer might have been <laughs> The Great Gatsby. The Great Gatsby is a book that resonated with me as a high school student. Actually, I'd never read a book from an African American artist until I author until I got to college. And that was The Invisible Man, Ralph Ellison. That was the first time that in an academic setting. I was able to engage with black art. Uh, so for, for my white fans, I would hope that you would not feel disconnected to the material from the black experience. I, I would hope that you would have a lens into a world that you may not know much about or have a front row seat as I take you in this journey of my life. So I don't, I don't, I don't necessarily do that material for you to say, yeah, that's my experience. I want you to laugh. I want you to enjoy it. But I don't think it necessarily has to represent your worldview. Similar to how I engage a lot of content. Man, I watch a lot of things that have nothing to do with me. I watch Sons of Anarchy. It was one of my favorite series. Sopranos. Matter of fact, with black folks, we got to watch stuff and we got to watch out for the strays. Like we get hit with... We get hit with strays and we're not, I'm just enjoying this mafia show. And then they calling me moolies and eggplants. I'm like, whoa, wait, wait a minute, my man. Uh, so I think for this question in particular, first, you don't have to feel disconnected from my material because my material is for everybody, even though you may not have the similar experience. Because what I write, and, and hopefully I'll talk more about this as we go, and maybe this will elicit more questions. But whenever you think about Mike Goodwin's material, I write from a place of love and not a place of malice. Like I want when I write material, I write for the majority of the people in the room to laugh. Like I don't I don't split the room up intentionally. There's some things in comedy, I mean, you're going to provoke and you're going to. But wait, the way that I, I, I do my shows, I'm writing so that 100 percent of the people in the room will laugh. Now, that doesn't always happen. That doesn't always the case. But no, as you're, as you, you know, it's like, uh, <laughs> I was talking to my, my children this weekend. I was, my, my son asked me like, who's my favorite music genre. And I was 
going through, you know, the music genres. I was telling country music. I enjoy country music. Now, I'm not a, a quote-unquote fan. Like, I couldn't tell you all these people, but I enjoy country music songs. And uh, one in particular is a guy, he has, Travis Trent has a song, I'm going to be somebody. And I don't know how I heard it. And, I, you know, I heard it and I was like, that resonated. I really enjoy that song. If you would ask me what's my favorite country song, I would probably say I'm going to be somebody, but maybe Wagon Wheel or maybe Chris Stapleton. He got a few that I really enjoy. So, but I, Travis Trent, Trent could be a racist. I don't, I don't, that's the danger <laughs> of uh, engaging with people's content. Uh, I would hate to really enjoy somebody and, and find out that they don't like me. So know whoever you are. Mike Goodwin is a man of love, a man of peace. I'm not out here hating. They, I'm not out here these particular groups. I hate labels. You'll never hear me say like the term like Yankees and rednecks and like you. I, I don't like those terms. I don't like labels because they can easily come back on you. Like you lose using all these labels for other people. And I'm thinking about what what labels are people going to turn back on me? So I'm I'm not I'm not for the labels. I'm for I'm for people. I'm from humans. I'm for love. All the stuff, but I do recognize my identity and, and what I am in the world as a black man. So hopefully that's giving you some kind of uh, place to place to have some kind of understanding of an answer. Um, I, I again I think what I would tell you is enjoy it. And, and every joke may not be your joke. I, I often say this in terms of comedy, your your vote is to laugh or not laugh. And, and you have your the ability to do such. And again, I write from a place of love. I write from a place that represents goodness, purity, positivity. There's some hard edges. I got some hard edges in my life. My life's a hard edge life. So, I, you know, as, as, as fun and as, as engaging and I'm light. Uh, if you knew me personally, there's some heart, like there's a rage. There's a, you know, I'm a dichotomy of, of sorts. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm fun, positive, but I'm a very intense, no nonsense, go for the juggler kind of guy. So it's, it's very interesting how the Lord created me. So thank you, Richard, for asking this question. I want you to be, come on over to the black experience, Richard. Come on. Come to the black side. No, <laughs> we get you a black card. I don't even have a black card, Richard. So it's a fictional, it's a fictional thing out here, man. We want you to, I want you to engage whether you feel a way. And then sometimes, and this is the last thing I'll say. Uh, sometimes I want, if you notice something within you that makes you a little uncomfortable, I would, I would take a look at that. I, that, that happened to me. I, uh, I, uh, I worked at the University of South Carolina in, student, in, in, in the visitor center, in the visitor center. And then I was given all these types of group, to, I was a group tour guy. And one particular day I had a group from the Special Olympics, had a group of mentally challenged individuals that came on my tour. It was a, a tour full of Special Olympics folks. And I felt so uncomfortable. I felt so awkward. I didn't know what to say. Number one, I didn't grow up with folks that were, uh, that had mental challenges. I didn't grow up, you know, with special needs environments, right? So 
when I talked about them or engaged in that community, I, I probably was cracking jokes. I was saying unkind things. I was probably being very rude and very inconsiderate. And so here I am on this this group, this uh this uh tour, and I'm leading this group of folks that I know nothing about, and I'm a, I'm, I'm partly ashamed because I know how I felt over the years about folks that are in this community. And so I'm challenged going through this whole tour and I'm feeling very uncomfortable. And so by the end of the event, you know, we were probably, I don't even know I did a probably a two hour tour. I, I had, I had a conversation with myself. I was like, Hey bro, what is, what is up? Like, why did you feel the way that you felt? What is going on? And so I went and volunteered and I coached a special Olympics team. I went to become a coach with uh, they were having practices. I went and did the research. I said, okay, I feel very uncomfortable in this community. People, these folks did nothing to me, but come on this tour. They, 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 they were so, they, they were so positive. They were so funny and, and engaging. And it was one of the best tours I've ever done, but inside internally, I felt away. And so I said, man, I don't need to feel like this. Like, this is not, nah, this is inappropriate. So I went, did some research, and I found out that there were opportunities for me to volunteer. And I said, oh, I love basketball. I'll go coach this basketball team. And, man, I went and took my Sundays when I was in graduate school. And I probably coached for two years. And I coached, and I, and I spent time with this group, this community that I had not spent time with before. I had all these preconceived notions about. I had all these feelings and thoughts about, but I didn't know personally. And that was an amazing experience for me. And recently, like this past, maybe a year ago, I did a keynote for the Special Olympics of South Carolina and I shared that story. And they knew exactly the coach that I served with because he was a long-term coach. His daughter played on the team. And I was able to share how impactful the Special Olympics have been to my life personally. Like I personally benefited because I saw a bias or prejudice that I had. And I would have did something about it. I say, man, I, I just, this is, this ain't right, man. So I'm not saying Richard's that guy. I'm not saying you, Richard, Richard's cool with the brothers. He said that in his, in his thing, Richard, Richard's down with, he's down with the blacks. <laughs> but if you find yourself in those situations, hopefully you will acknowledge it. And then you take steps to, to reconcile that. Oh, that's been another podcast episode, man. Hopefully y'all have had a great time. This has been an interesting podcast for me personally, because I've shared something I didn't intend on sharing. I didn't know, especially that question. I, I wanted to, I wanted to answer it as authentically as I could. So I didn't want to try to prep with, with all these answers, but hopefully you've enjoyed another episode of the best advice ever podcast. I'm your host, Mike Goodwin. I thank you for listening. I would enjoy or love for you to rate and subscribe to the podcast. Please Wherever you receive podcast episodes, please go and give me the five stars and, and say good things about me. I think that helps grow the podcast and help other people check it out. So talk about the podcast. If you have any questions, just send me an uh, email for the Ask the Bowtie at info at comedianmikegoodwin.com. Also, you can follow me on my social media Spots, I'm at uh, Instagram, Bowtie Comedy, Facebook, Comedian Mike Goodwin, Twitter. I don't go over there. Those people are very angry. So just come over there. 
Instagram and, and meet me over there at Bowtie Comedy. But I'm at Bowtie Comedy on Instagram. On YouTube, uh, comedian Mike Goodwin. Check me out, MikeGoodwin.com. And again, thank you so much for listening in to another episode of the Best Advice Podcast ever. It's your boy, Mike Goodwin. Peace.